Welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA. This is Warren Landis, and I am your host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. And it's a great joy, as usual, to welcome you to the program today. (laughs) I tell you, you know, when I start doing this program every day, um, Satan attacks. Either I get flooded with phone calls or somebody knocks at the door or something like that. And, you know, sometimes it's a challenge. And, you know, a while ago, I was doing a recording for this broadcast and I got interrupted and now I'm having to start all over. I mean, that's just the way Satan uh, tries to interfere with the production of this broadcast. And I, and I think it's because Satan knows that I'm preaching the truth of the Word of God. And that just drives the devil crazy, and he wants to do everything he can to stop it. But I'm here to tell you, the devil's not going to succeed. Amen? We're going to go forward. <laughs> so here we go. Just pray that the Lord will keep anybody from calling me or knocking on the door while... This uh, broadcast is going on. Well, uh, I do want to share an important announcement with you before we get started in earnest with our Bible study today. And that is the fact that um, I believe that 2024 will be a year of expansion for the Sunshine USA radio ministry. But I also think that right now we have grown just about as much as we can grow without making some structural changes to the ministry of Sunshine USA. Right now, uh, Sunshine USA is not legally incorporated, and we need to be legally incorporated, which will allow us to do the kind of fundraising we need to do in order to grow this ministry. For example, I would love to buy radio broadcasting airtime on commercial AM and FM stations across America. Might even enjoy the opportunity to produce some television programs for this ministry. But I know that none of this is possible unless we're able to incorporate legally and, you know, um, do the kind of fundraising we need to do. Now, of course, don't fret none about that, because I'll still be teaching the Bible here on Sunshine USA, and I'll continue doing it without a paycheck. I am not trying to legally incorporate so I can give myself a salary. No, Uh, I don't want a salary. I don't need a salary. What I do here at Sunshine USA, I do simply because I love the Lord. But I also know that in order for us to legally incorporate, we need, among other things, to form a governing board of directors. And obviously, as you can imagine, I want Christian men and women to serve on this governing board of directors. And um, it might be that you or somebody you know would love to serve on this board of directors. And if so, I would love to hear from you. And I would love to interview you about the possibility of serving on the governing board of this ministry. Um, I'm going to be considering both male and female candidates for this position. So if you know a godly man or woman who you think um, 
would do a good job serving on the board of this ministry, I, I would love to hear from you. Now, obviously, these need to be men and women who are dedicated to the Lord, and that means, first of all, they have a born-again experience with Jesus Christ. And secondly, it means that they live an exemplary Christian life. Not necessarily perfect, because, you know, none of us are perfect, none of us are without sin. But men and women who love the Lord and live like they love the Lord. And if that is you or somebody you know, then I would love to hear from you. And the best way to contact me about this is by email. My email address is warrenlandis at yahoo.com or you can contact me at warrenlandis at gmail.com. Either way, I would love to hear from you. And of course, all correspondence along these lines are, are strictly confidential. You can be sure of that. But I do want you to pray that the Lord will give us godly people to serve on this board and that the Lord will allow this ministry to grow to the degree that we can. Like I say, one of the disadvantages we have right now is that since this is an Internet-based ministry, meaning you just about have to have access to the Internet to, to listen to this program, it, it, it limits who can listen to the program. I have a special place in my heart, for example, for inmates in state and federal prisons and county jails and city jails across America. But in many cases, these are inmates that can't legally listen to this program because they don't have access to the Internet. But they could listen to the program if we were broadcasting on commercial radio stations across the country. And that would be an ideal way for this ministry uh, to expand. But in order to do that, we need to get better organized so that we can do that. So pray about it if you or somebody you know would love to serve on the governing board of this ministry. Now, you can also contact me by snail mail. My snail mail address is Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street. That's T-H-R. U.S. 201, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. That's Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. And at the end of the program today, I'll give you a special phone number that you can call, and you can contact me that way. And it's also a number you can call if you just need somebody to talk to. I don't know too many um, radio and TV preachers today that are giving out their personal phone number, but I don't mind doing that if it gives me a chance to minister to you. And I'll do that at the end of the program today. Well, today we're going to be in the 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians. We closed out the 9th chapter of 1 Corinthians on the last broadcast. And so today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting with verse 1. But first, we're going to go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, I just want to pray right now that you'll be with me as I make this recording. Lord, I pray that Satan will keep his hands off this broadcast, that he will not interfere with us, he will not attack us, so that your work can go forward. Lord, be with me now as I teach your word. Lord, you know that the last thing in the world I would ever want to do 
is to incorrectly teach your word. Lord, help me to say everything you want me to say. Lord, help me not to say anything you don't want me to say. Lord, I pray that you will help us to take the truth of your word and apply it to our everyday lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, now in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting from verse 1, Paul says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. I want to stop there for a moment. Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, but I think here at the very start of chapter 10, Paul makes it very clear he's not just writing to Gentile believers in Corinth. He's also writing to his Jewish brothers and sisters in Corinth. And uh, he's doing this in order to encourage them and to let them know that God still loves them and cares about them. And he also wants his Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ today to know that there are some things that we could certainly learn, both good and bad, about our ancestors or about the Jewish ancestors in the wilderness. Paul says, for example, uh, they were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them and walked through the sea, and I believe that would be the Red Sea, on dry ground. Now, we have some Christians today who question whether or not this was the Red Sea or whether it was the Sea of Reeds. Now, the Sea of Reeds would have been a little bit north of the Red Sea, but it was also more of a swamp than a true sea. And so I have reason to believe that this was the Red Sea. Now, in your King James Bibles, I think they actually use the word Red Sea, whereas here it's just simply referred to as the sea. Uh, but I believe this was the Red Sea. The Bible tells us that the Egyptians and all of their chariots and horses and Soldiers, they all drowned in the Red Sea. There wouldn't be enough water to drown in in the Sea of Reeds. So I believe this was quite literally the Red Sea. And these Israelites were guided by a cloud. A cloud by day and a cloud of fire by night. Now this tells us something about what God did for them and God does the same thing, by the way, for us, even as Gentile believers today. By day he moved as a cloud, and the Israelites followed that cloud. Wherever that cloud went, they went. When that cloud stopped, they stopped. That's how they operated. At night this became a cloud of fire. And that meant that the Lord 
allowed them, number one, to have the light that they needed to do whatever they needed to do at night. But even more importantly, it meant that God, through that cloud of fire, was protecting them. Because as long as that cloud of fire was in place, their enemies wouldn't dare come near them. And of course, the application here is quite clear. God has a way of protecting you and I today. He gives us divine protection. I told someone not too long ago, nobody's going to do anything to me that God doesn't allow them to do. And in order for them to do anything to me, they have to go through God first who is protecting me. Amen. So there you have it. He says, in the cloud, in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food and all of them drank the same spiritual water for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. That rock was Christ. So you see, we have Christ not only featured in the New Testament, he's also featured in the Old Testament as well. And when you're studying the Old Testament and you don't see Christ, you're probably not studying the Old Testament the way you need to study it. You know, the Bible tells us that Christ was even present at creation. And not only was Christ present at creation, he actually participated in the creation. Um, You could say the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem was not the beginning of Christ's existence. It was not the beginning of Christ's existence. It was simply the point where God came to be with man in the form of a human body, but it's not the beginning of his existence. Because like I say, Christ was present at creation. We know that God existed even before the creation of the heavens and earth. You see, with God, there's no beginning and there's no end. Now, you and I will not have an end. We will live forever in eternity. Man will live forever in eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. But man is different from God in that at some point we began to exist. The Bible also indicates that God knew about us specifically even before the beginning of time. Even before God started creating the heavens and the earth, he knew all about me. He knew that I would be on this, born on this earth in 1954, August 26, 808 on a Thursday morning in Greenville, South Carolina. You see that none of that came as a surprise to God. God knew about that all from the beginning, even before the beginning of creation. God knew about it. God knew whether or not I would decide to follow him as Savior. You see, God gave me a choice, and I have chosen to follow Jesus Christ as my Savior. A decision I made back the Sunday before Thanksgiving, 1969. 
Okay? Let's read on. He says in verse 5, Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened as a warning to us, so that we would not crave the evil things that they did, or worship idols as some of them did. That's in verse 7. You see, um, many of these Israelites that started on this journey, by crossing the Red Sea, many of those Israelites, and in fact most of those Israelites, never lived to see the day that they would reach the promised land. They would spend almost 40 years of their life wandering in the wilderness, and yet for one reason or another they would die in the wilderness because of their sinful disobedience to God. And one of the reasons this happened was God wanted it to serve as a reminder to you and I. We have to be obedient to God. And when we're not obedient to God, there are consequences. Now, God is a merciful God. God is a God of grace. We all know that. And when you sin you can be sure that God will forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. However, this does not exempt you. This does not exempt you from the consequences of your sin. Let me say that again. This does not exempt you from the consequences of your sin. For example, if a man goes out here and he robs a bank, will God forgive him? Yes, absolutely. But there's also consequences to that sin. And that is, if he robs a bank and then he's caught, which he probably will be, and he's brought to court and convicted, which he probably will be, then he's going to prison for a long time. Many, many years. And even though God has forgiven him, and even though he's saved, there are still consequences to bear. Uh, I have shared on this program many times. I have health consequences today that I have to deal with because of years of eating poorly. I remember back in my seminary days when I was doing uh, Christian radio ministry at two different Christian radio stations, I ate a very poor diet. I ate fast food and junk food and everything else in between. I wasn't getting the sleep that I need. I wasn't eating the right foods. And all of this over time began to affect my health. Now, has God forgiven me for all that? Yes, but I still have to deal with the consequences. And let me assure you that if you sin, will God forgive you? Absolutely. No doubt about it. But it doesn't exempt us from having to deal with the consequences of our sin. Amen. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. 
And we must not engage in sexual immorality, as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor should we put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and then they died of snake bites. That's in verse 9. Now let me pause there for a moment. Uh, You know, the Bible indicates that, you know, if a person, if a believer were to drink a poisonous thing, it won't kill them. And so you had many Christians back then, and I imagine you still have people like that today who will play around with snakes, they'll get bitten, and the poison or venom for those mistakes, it enters into their bloodstream and they die. In other words, we are not to put God to a foolish test. God doesn't want us to put him to a foolish test. One thing about Greenville is we have some very high buildings here in Greenville. We have some buildings that are in the neighborhood of 25, maybe 30 stories high. That's pretty high. And if I jump off a building and I say I'm not worried about this because God is going to cause his angels to swoop down and catch me and I'm not going to dash my foot against a stone. You see, the Bible says that's putting God to a foolish test. So that means if I jump off a very high building here in Greenville, South Carolina, you know what? I'm probably going to die physically. Because sinful actions have undesirable consequences. Amen. Okay, now let's read further. It says here, And then they were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. Now, you know, I'll stop there for a moment and make an interesting comment about Paul. Paul believed that he was living in the, in the end times. He, he believed that he was living in the last days. He believed that Christ could come back to the earth in the rapture at any moment. He believed that with all of his heart. Now we know that the rapture did not occur in Paul's lifetime. And Paul went to heaven by way of the grave. He was beheaded because of his faith in Christ and his preaching of the gospel. And he died and he went to heaven. He did not live to see the rapture of the church in his day. Now one of the things I get from that is that as a Christian, if Paul had reason to believe he was living in the last days, you and I 2,000 years later, even more so we can make that statement. We are living in the last days. And there's that sense in which we have been living in the last days ever since the resurrection of Christ. And this will continue until the rapture of the church takes place. Okay, let's move on. 
If you think you are standing strong, Paul says, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. In other words, Paul is saying here, if you think you're standing strong, be careful. <laughs> I am very leery about any preacher that says certain things can never happen to them. Because they walk so close to God. You see, it's actually a dangerous thing to think that way. Because it sets you up to be done in by the devil. And then you will find yourself doing things you never thought you would do. Not too long ago, I was uh, visiting a young woman in prison. She was in a federal prison. She had been sentenced to about 25 years in prison, to be exact. And she shared with me how she grew up in a godly Christian home and how she was very active in her church as a young person. And she made this very interesting statement to me. She said, Warren, I never believed that one day I would find myself locked up in a federal prison and doing time for things like selling drugs. She said, back in my younger days serving the Lord in my church, I never thought that would happen to me. But sometimes God allows us to encounter uh, temptation so that he can remind us that maybe we're not as strong as we thought we were. And that in turn should encourage us to spend time every single day in the word of God. Every single day. We need to spend time in the Word of God. Um, I think I could say with God as my witness, there's not a day when I fail to open up the Word of God to see what the Word of God has to say to me. Now, I may not do a radio program every day. For example, yesterday was Sunday, and I typically take Sunday off as a day of rest. So uh, yesterday I didn't produce any radio programs for Sunshine USA, but I did spend time yesterday reading in the Word of God because I know that it's something I need to do. Now one thing preachers today need to be careful about. They need to be careful to spend time studying the Word of God every day over and above any time that they spend preparing their messages. Now, as you can imagine, I spend many hours a day preparing the messages that I preach here on Sunshine USA. But I spend time over and above that 
in the Word of God because I know it's important. And I know it's the key for me to be strong spiritually. It's very sad today when I think about the fact that there are so many Christians today who have walked away from the Lord and the things of the Lord. And how did that happen? I think about that woman that I was interviewing in prison. How how could such a dedicated Christian woman, active in her church, end up in a federal prison for doing drugs and selling drugs? It's because, obviously, at some point, she got her eyes off of Jesus Christ. She failed to spend time every day studying the Word of God, and pretty soon, she found herself doing things she thought she would never do. How sad. Has the Lord forgiven that woman? Absolutely. But it didn't keep her from going to prison. And she'll have a criminal record for the rest of her life. But, nonetheless, God has forgiven her. And I might add a little bit of a postscript to that story. She has since been released from prison. Uh, The president of the United States commuted her sentence to time served, but she still has a conviction that will be on her record the rest of her life. Like I say, sin has consequences. Amen. Now, Paul also goes on to say here that when you are tempted, and if we remain true to the Lord and spend time in the Lord, he doesn't say God's going to cause us not to be tempted because as long as you're alive, you're going to be tempted. As I pointed out, I believe, on the last program, When God saved us, he did not eradicate our sin nature. And we're going to have to do battle with our sin nature for the rest of our lives. That's just simply a fact of life. But even though we cannot get rid of temptation, God will give us the spiritual strength that we need to keep from yielding to that temptation and having to deal with the results and consequences that come with it. Amen. Paul goes on to say in verse 14, chapter 10, verse 14, So, my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. You were reasonable people. Decide for yourselves if what I'm saying is true. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. Think about the people of Israel. Weren't they all united by eating the sacrifices at the altar? Now notice Paul says here, we eat from one loaf of bread. Now back in Paul's day, when they had communion, the Lord's Supper, they they literally had a single loaf of bread. And everybody who took up communion back in those days, they ate bread from the same loaf. This was seen as an act of unity. 
And some people in those early days, they all drank from a common cup. I don't think I would do that today. But once again, this was supposed to be a unifying thing, showing our unity in Christ. Amen. Verse 19, what I am trying to say, I am saying that food offered to idols has some significance or that idols are real God. Not at all. Let me back up here and read that again. What am I trying to say? Am I saying that food offered to idols has some significance or that idols are real gods? Not at all. I am saying that these sacrifices are offered to demons, not to God. And I don't want you to participate with demons. You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot eat at the Lord's table and at the table of demons too. What? Do we dare to rouse the Lord's jealousy? Do we think that we are stronger than he is? Now, let's stop there for a moment. Um, he says you cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and a cup from the demons too. You know, I'm afraid that describes many people in our church today. Many people today are in a situation where they want to have one foot in the world and they want to have one foot in the Word of God and they're thinking that by doing that they can have the best of both worlds. But it doesn't work that way. You're going to have to be all the way for the devil and his demons or you're going to have to be all the way for God. It can't be one or the other. We as Christians today forget that we are to be a separated people. We're not supposed to try to be like the world. We're not supposed to be imitating the ways of the world. We walk to a different drummer. We walk to a different drumbeat. So many times today when people look at the life of a Christian... They can't see any difference in the life of an unbeliever. This is not the way it was meant to be. You're not going to do things that the rest of the world is doing. And believe me, the rest of the world, they're not going to want to do what you're doing. There is to be this wall of separation. And it's very, very important that we not breach that wall of separation. Let's go on. In verse 23, chapter 10, Paul says, You say I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say I am allowed to do anything, but everything is not beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good, but rather for the good of others. So that you may eat any meat that is sold in the marketplace without raising questions of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If someone who isn't a believer 
ask you home to dinner, accept the invitation if you want to. Eat whatever is offered to you without raising questions of conscience. But suppose someone tells you the meat was offered to an idol. Don't eat it out of consideration for the conscience of the one who told you it might not be a matter of conscience to you, but it is to the other person. For why should my freedom be limited by someone else and the way they think? If I can thank God for food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for eating it? So whether you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all for the glory of God. Do all for the glory of God. Now I want to camp out there for a moment. The Bible says there, do all for the glory of God. I remember back several years ago when I was a much younger man. When I was in my early 20s, I served one summer on the staff of the Ridgecrest Baptist Conference Center in Ridgecrest, North Carolina, near Asheville, North Carolina. And I served in that capacity for three months, one summer. And, and you know, it was very interesting. My job at Ridgecrest Baptist Conference Center, it was not preaching the gospel or teaching the Bible primarily. My primary job was working in the kitchen helping to prepare the meals that up to 3,000 people a week would be eating. And, and at first that really bothered me because I, I said to myself, I thought I was coming to Ridgecrest to do the Lord's work. But one of the things I learned at Ridgecrest Baptist Conference Center is that it's all the work of the Lord. You try teaching the Bible to 3,000 people without feeding them, and you're not going to teach them very much. They're going to go home and get a good meal. <laughs> and so the meals that I cooked and prepared were just as much a part of the work of God as one who was standing in the pulpit preaching the gospel and teaching the Bible. You might think your job is of no significance. You work in the factory or you do construction work. Maybe you teach school. Maybe you're a business leader. Perhaps you're a business owner. Don't think for one minute that your work is any less the work of God than your pastor who stands in the pulpit every Sunday and preaches and teaches the word of God. Amen. So he says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Now, think about that 
That is a very strong statement, isn't it? Paul says, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. In other words, he is implying here, if you guys follow me, you're going to be following Christ because I follow Christ. Now, unfortunately, not everybody can say that. We have people listening to this broadcast that cannot say that. Because if everybody followed your example, they would find themselves doing things they ought not be doing. But Paul said, I've become so much like Christ, you could follow me. And in following me, you're automatically going to be following Christ. That's a very powerful statement. Paul also talks here about the fact that sometimes he is willing to give up his rights as a Christian. Sometimes he is willing to give up his rights as a Christian. Paul has made it clear on previous broadcasts that he could eat meat that had been previously offered to idols and he saw nothing wrong with it. Because in his mind there was no false gods. The only God is the one true and living God that you and I serve as Christians. Amen? Amen. Now, if that is the case, and it is, then you and I can have a freedom to eat meat even if it had been previously offered to idols. Now, like I say, that's not really much of an issue in our day. It was a major issue in Paul's day. But Paul said, in general, I won't do anything if it would cause a brother or sister in Christ to stumble. And that's a very important lesson for us to learn. And that, of course, brings us to the end of chapter number 10. Now, before we get to the next broadcast, you need to go ahead and um, read chapter 11. And just to give you a little bit of a sneak preview, in chapter 11, among other things, Paul will be instructing us about public worship. He'll be talking about the Lord's Supper. And those are some of the things we'll be talking about in chapter 11. And then when we get to chapter 12, we'll be talking about spiritual gifts. So that gives you a little bit of something to look forward to. Now, we're not going to get into chapter 12 in the next broadcast. Uh, our next broadcast will be centered on chapter 11, just as this broadcast was centered on chapter 10. Now, once again, if you enjoy listening to Sunshine USA, I hope that you will tell other people about this radio ministry. Because if you enjoy listening to Sunshine USA, then you probably know someone else that would love this ministry as well. And I, of course, gave you some contact information at the beginning of this broadcast. And um you can also use that contact information to let us know that you would like some Sunshine USA promotional flyers. These are flyers that advertise the ministry of Sunshine USA 
and where they could tune on the Internet to listen to the Sunshine USA broadcast. And I will send you as many of these flyers as you can constructively use. You might want to pass them out at school. Maybe you want to put them on uh, the bulletin board at your place of employment. If you live in an apartment community, maybe you want to put them on the bulletin board there. Nothing would please me more than to be able to do that. If you would like some gospel tracts that you can pass out to your neighbors, I would be glad to send you some. And once again, there's no charge for this. I do this free of charge, just like I do the radio ministry free of charge. And I hope that you will do that. If you would like some Bible study guides that go with the program, I'll be glad to send you those. Once again, that's a free gift. I don't charge anything for it. But I hope that you will avail yourself of the opportunity. Now, my mailing address is uh, Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, and the zip code is 29605. Or, like I say, you can reach me by one of two email addresses. One is warnlandis at yahoo.com, and the other one is warnlandis at gmail.com. And I also have a phone number to share with you. And the phone number is 864-608-2102. 864-608-2102. And you could call that number if you want to call in a prayer request, a Bible study question. If you would like to nominate yourself or someone you know to serve on our board of directors, this is a number for you to call. Or maybe, maybe you just need somebody to talk to. You can call me at that number and I'll be glad to hear from you. So I hope that you will do that if you feel so inclined. And um, once again, everything we do here is free. I don't have any charge for it. And I hope that you will avail yourself of the opportunity. Um, and like I say, pray for this ministry. Pray that 2024 will indeed and in fact be a time of expansion for this ministry. Not so that we can boast about how big the ministry is, but so that we can have the capacity to reach even more people with the life-saving, life-changing gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on Sunshine USA.